Welcome to the New City Church Podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, Pastor John Andrade is preaching the final part of a three-part sermon series called Identify Yourself, and the sermon title is Identify Yourself in the Name of the Spirit. We hope you are blessed by the message today. who are already sitting down, if you want to read along, I got John chapter 14, and we'll start in verse 16. The word of God this morning. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened? That you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. That's the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, we love you. Father, we praise you today together um, as your people, and we have gathered here today to worship you. We've gathered here today to turn from our sin, to look to your word and to ask you as people who have nothing to offer to just plead with you to wash over us with your word, that you'd bring about repentance in our hearts, that you would fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, and that you would, by your Holy Spirit, minister to us today. God, we love you, and we praise you. Minister to every need, oh Lord God. You know every part of us, God. And we just ask you to teach us today Let your mercies be known in us today, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So, uh, I hadn't planned this fully, um, but last last night, um, I had to tell the story. Um, I was talking with a guy who I am convinced that God is just like drawing him. You could just see the way he looks in his eyes, and he is just like wrestling with some really hard concepts of scripture. And he's like, I don't know if I like some of what I hear about the Bible, but he says, you know what? And he points at the Bible and he says, but there's just something about Jesus. 
And it felt so good for me to just say, amen. Amen. There's just something about Jesus, and we don't have to worry about how eloquently we put together our sentences when we're talking about Jesus. We just present him, and he does the rest. There is just something about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's amazing. And I think that if, if you guys want to pray for him, his name's John. I'm hoping that someday the Lord will work on him and bring him even into our midst. But God is working in him. And it's not one of those things where he's like, you know, there's something about Jesus. Jesus is just kind of this cool, hippie guy, you know, like he just, he's right on, down with whatever. I, he's like, I understand and I know the glories of Jesus Christ. He's eternal. He has no beginning, no end, and he has come into this world with grace and compassion to lay down his life for our sins. And he is a God who requires much. He says, give up your life and follow me. Pick up your cross and carry it and come after me. Forsake the world and follow me. He understands that and he knows that and he's like weighed down with it, but he says, there's still something about Jesus. I just know there's something about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just want to remind us today that we have a wonderful and beautiful, precious Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, church. And I just hope we know that and we rest in him ourselves, but especially if we're thinking about it in like the realm of evangelism. We don't have to try to dial Jesus down when we're presenting him. Just present him. Present him. Don't try to make him palatable. Present him in all of his rawness with who he is and just let him do the rest because there is, again, something about the Lord Jesus Christ. So... um, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, though, church. Um, and I am, I, I, I've been kind of just like awestruck, just the fact that I'm even able to have the opportunity to present some things. I just feel like it's just such a wonderful privilege, such a joy, and I feel so inadequate to be able to try to talk about the Holy Spirit. I feel like a little boy just trying to explain to a bunch of people the intricacies of the known universe The Holy Spirit is just magnificent, and I'm going to do the best job that I can today, my job today. I just want to try to lift him up as high as I possibly can, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and just lift him up to all of us, and just in his glory, let him wash over each and every single one of us as we consider the Holy Spirit, as we remember what he is, who he is, and what he's done. Um, So a quick note, I just want to say, and maybe some of you have even had to uh, do this yourselves, but I had to do some repenting in respect to the fact that I hadn't acknowledged the Holy Spirit. And this was a while back, but I just remember being like, I am, I am sorry that I ignore you, don't pay attention to you. I focus on, and I know the Holy Spirit moves me to look to Jesus, to the glory of the Father, and I understand that, but I think there is sometimes this thing that comes with us where I'm not even acknowledging you, Holy Spirit. I'm not even interacting with you. I'm not looking to you for leading. I'm not remembering what you do in my life, in the life of me personally, but also in the life of the church. And I had to repent and say, forgive me, Holy Spirit, for not acknowledging you. Um, Because who he is, and again, what he does is just so much. Um, One thing I'm convinced of... um, and we sort of sang about it, and we sing about it all the time. And this is the message here we preach at New City Church, but it's all of grace. I'm convinced that when we stand in the glories of heaven, and we stand at the judgment seat of God and all of God's children, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, I heard Steve Lawson say this recently, that crown that God puts in our head will be on our head for about a half of a millisecond because we're just going to throw it down and say, it doesn't belong to, I, I didn't do it. 
I'm thankful that you brought me into this, but really this was all the Holy Spirit. I will say the Holy Spirit carried me. He nourished me. He helped me run the race. It was through him that I declared Jesus is Lord. He's the one who gave me the perseverance to endure this life. I would have jumped off of the train of Christianity so long ago a hundred times because of the difficulties of the difficult walk that we have as Christians, but the Holy Spirit has just made me new, and he continually compels me to run the race and to continue to strive along in the narrow path. And so I am convinced that every single one of us we got to give a whole lot of glory to the Holy Spirit because he's carrying us and he's giving us the victory. Every victory, every single victory belongs to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, so we have a whole lot to talk about today, but first, um, we're going to remember why we're even talking about the Holy Spirit today. Obviously, we could talk about the Holy Spirit any day, but in particular, what our church right now is doing, we're just, we're just taking a little break from going through books of the Bible, and we're in a little bit of a series, if you will, where we're reminding our church what our vision statement is, what our identity is, what is the identity of New City Church, and how God has spoken to us in particular, what are some things that has become the core of who we are as a church. And so our identity, many times we've been talking about it in the series, we have it on t-shirts and things like that, and so you probably know it, but we are a family of servant missionaries, a family of servant missionaries. And we derive this really from many passages in scripture that point to our God who is triune in nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as God the Father, we are brought into this family of faith. And each and every single one of us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ have obtained adoption into the family of God. We who are orphans have been brought near and drawn near, and God calls us his children. We can cry out as we pray, our Father who art in heaven. Not some abstract, distant universe cosmic being, but our Father, intimately acquainted with his children. We are children of God, and subsequently all of us, our family, brothers and sisters in the faith in Jesus Christ. That is our identity. We are a family, but also, as Joel preached last week, uh, we are servants. And this is modeled to us for on grand display because of Jesus Christ and what he has done. He is a servant. He left heaven, the glories of heaven, and became a servant to serve and to serve and to serve to wash the disciples' feet, to spend his time with those who the world was overlooking, to be a servant. And by him, all of us have obtained salvation because of the servanthood that Jesus Christ has paid the ransom that all of us could not pay on our own. And so that's modeled for us. And so we are called to be a family, but we're also called to be servants. And so hopefully all of us have been like sitting under that conviction. How can I be a servant? What are some things that I need to let go of in the flesh? What are my sinful tendencies that prevent me from being a servant? How can I just be like my Lord Jesus Christ and serve? It's not about me. It's about those who are serving. And so finally, we're out, we are missionaries. And so this is what we're going to be focusing on today. We are missionaries, and this is what the Holy Spirit is to us. The Holy Spirit has demonstrated this. He is the sent one, the sent spirit who goes into the world to redeem a people and to send us into the world to continue to carry the banner of the church until the return of Jesus Christ. And so um, one of the many places that we can go for this um, is Matthew 28. But there are so many scriptures, some of the ones that we're going to be even looking at today in which the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all referenced. And so we could really look at any of these, but if you look at Matthew chapter 28, we'll just look at Jesus' final words before um, his ascension and uh, his great commission to the disciples. He says this in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped. 
but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we get the great commission, as they call it, of Jesus Christ sending his apostles out into the world to turn the whole world upside down, probably more accurately turn it right side up because the the world is always raging against Jesus Christ, but we're sent into the world to carry the gospel. But what we do is baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, because all three, and we're going to talk about the Trinity today as there's one God, but three distinct persons that have been manifested unto us, the radiant glory of God revealed unto us, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so by that, we derive our identity as New City Church, a um, family of servant missionaries. So we as a congregation, we've covered a family, we've covered a servant, and today we're going to cover missionaries, um, all under the backdrop of who the Holy Spirit is. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, how he interacts with us, how we experience him, and all of these sorts of things. Um, And so, as I've said in the beginning, this is an inexhaustible subject that I hope that all of you today don't just say, all right, I've just taken this 45-minute sermon or however long the Spirit urges me to preach for. Hopefully it's around there. Um, and say, I've gotten all the Holy Spirit stuff and this is it. I want you to know that I'm just like, just nicking off the tip of the surface of the Holy Spirit. Take this as just something that maybe could compel you to want to, to learn and, and experience more with the Holy Spirit. Um, but one of the things that's going to help us focus today because there is a vast sum of what he what he does and what he's about. And my, my wife, Danielle, said, how are you going to really come at this? Because it's just so vast. And I said, I think one of the things that's going to help us is we're going to talk about him as a missionary. But I can't really help but talk about other things as well. And so I just want to just rattle some things off to you. And I want you guys to feel free if you want to try to turn to these scriptures with me. But also don't feel bad if you don't want to do that. If you just want to let these passages just wash over you and you just want to sit, we're going to have them on the screen. And keep up with me in your Bibles if you want to do that. But again, don't feel bad. Just just sit and be reminded of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and some of the things that Scripture, that he reveals in Scripture, who this Holy Spirit is unto us. Um, So first, uh, he cleanses us. He cleanses us, he makes us new, and he causes us to be born again. Okay? cleanses us. He makes us new. He causes us to be born again. The Holy Spirit is very much present in our salvation. Again, not just the Father, not just the Son, but the fullness of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has come to bring salvation, and the Holy Spirit is a very active role in our salvation. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, and into verse 11, it says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is a heavy passage. Do not be deceived. There's a whole lot of things the world will tell you is fine. The word of God says is not. 
But listen to the comfort of verse 11. It says, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Some of us were like that. I used to be this. I used to be that, but I'm not anymore. My identity is fully and wholly wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian, but I used to be. And the reason I'm not anymore is because I have been washed, I have been sanctified, I have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Praise him. He has washed us. He has made us new. He has changed the affection of our hearts. We're not the old self. We are new creations in Jesus Christ, no longer under the condemnation that we deserve for our sin. And again, the Holy Spirit having a very, very active role in our salvation, a collective work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Another thing, right, while we're here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, is that he dwells within us. He dwells within us. He dwells within us. I I mean, do with that what you want, but he dwells within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within his people. How incredible, how amazing, how beyond comprehension that the Holy Spirit dwells within us who are born again through the Lord Jesus Christ. Take that how you will. Um, But here, I'm going to read this in verse 18 down to verse 20. Flee immorality and every sin that a man commits is outside of the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body." As Christians, we've been redeemed. We've been bought with a price. We were slaves to the world. Now we are slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not just autonomous, free will creatures who can just go around, do everything as we see please. As we please, we were bought with a price. We were slaves and we're still slaves, but we have a brand new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we are not filled with the spirit of the world, but instead we have the Holy Spirit of God, the almighty Holy Spirit dwelling within us moment to moment to moment to moment for all eternity, the Holy Spirit dwelling within his people. How blessed of a thought is that? How amazing is that? That the Holy Spirit is pleased to dwell within us. And I just hope that that brings some comfort to you. I hope that brings some excitement to you. I hope that brings some joy to you that you know that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Another thing that he does, he points us to the Lord Jesus. Um, And this is really important because sometimes um, people talk about the Holy Spirit, and I have a lot of brothers and sisters. I was saved in a Pentecostal church um, and soundly saved in a Pentecostal church, but oftentimes it becomes the Holy Spirit um, move over Jesus, Holy Spirit time action. And I'm all about the Holy Spirit, but if we are ever in a a congregation where the Holy Spirit is moving, but he's not pointing us toward the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's job is to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he is not doing that, I'm questioning whether or not what kind of spirit you got really going on here, because the Holy Spirit is going to always point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is something that the word says right here in first, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 16, Um, And we're going to start in, where am I? Verse 13 and 14. 
Um, and I'll even read verse 12. It won't be on the screen, but it says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And listen to this. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of mine and will disclose to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit's primary function is to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. He points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can also write down, if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, in which it says, no one can declare that Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Spirit. You don't hear anybody in the world saying Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't hear that. And, the only, and you might hear it in words, but in not an actual confession from the heart to say, Jesus is my Lord, wholesale, I am yours, Jesus Christ, I will do whatever you say. I'll carry my cross, I'm willing to go with you unto death. The world will not say that. The only way a person can actually have that bubbling forth from their heart is if the Holy Spirit has moved that in them, has brought us to life to the point where we would actually lay down our lives for Jesus and confess him as Lord. Another passage, Romans chapter 8. And this is wonderful because I feel like my prayers are, we're in church, so my prayers are not that good often. Sometimes my prayers, I'm just like, I'm just not good at praying. And maybe some of you feel this, this way sometimes too. To me, this is a great comfort, and I hope it is to you because the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. He helps us in our prayers. My weak, piddly, small prayers, I believe by the time they make it to the ears of God, the Father, they are magnificent because the Holy Spirit has just taken my prayers and he's like, I know what John's trying to say here. I'm just going to actually make it good so that when it gets to God, it's, it's good. But that was kind of lame, you were, and you fell asleep halfway through it. But I knew what he was talking about, and I'm going to take it to God, and it's going to be amazing. And so listen to this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. You know, you feel like that sometimes. We do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He helps us in our prayers. He helps us in our prayers. And if you ever feel weak in your prayers and you feel like they're weak, I pray that this is a reminder unto you. Um, Not only does he help us in our prayers, but the reason that we're holding this very book in our hands is because it's God-breathed. It's from the Holy Spirit of God himself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, but I'm just giving that one for you to write down. We're going to look at 2 Peter, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and following, down to like 16, 17, 18, um, would be another place to look. But 2 Peter chapter 1 will be what we look at just quickly now. And the fact that the reason that we have this word in our hands is because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave us this word, and there are sometimes, again, people who will say, I listen to the Spirit, John. I'm not so much about the Bible. The Spirit gave us the Bible. And if you want the Holy Spirit, then you've got to look here. 
There's other way we can experience, and that's a whole other conversation, but at the same time, we never disband from the Bible that the Holy Spirit gave us by saying, I'd rather interact with the Spirit some other way. <clears throat> so 2 Peter chapter 1, um, verse 19, and down to 21, we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And this is probably where it'll pick up on the screen, verse 20. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, listen, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. It's as if the Holy Spirit has just picked up Jeremiah and wrote the book of Jeremiah through Jeremiah, then picks up Isaiah and writes the book of Isaiah through a, Each of these people are like a, a pen in the hands of God. And yes, you see Jeremiah's heart bleeding out in the book of Jeremiah that's so different than Ezekiel. But at the same time, the same author is the same author of all of it, God Almighty. He is the one who gave us these scriptures. He picked these men up and used them as an instrument to give us these scriptures. Praise him for having for giving us the Holy Scriptures. And I mean, we can go on and on and on, um, and we won't because we got to stay focused on our task at hand, but we could just, I mean, he's our healer. He heals us. He just heals us and nourishes us. He leads us moment to moment. He distributes the gifts of the Spirit as he sees fit, 1 Corinthians 12. He is magnificent, and there's just so much we could say about him. Um, but I pray that you guys are just blessed by simply knowing that he's here with us now. Um, he's here with us now. So I'm going to quickly just try to give you some theology as we move into this, and I just want to talk quickly about the Trinity. It's a doctrine that faces constant and consistent attack. Groups like, and this isn't an exhaustive list, but Mormons, Black Hebrew Israelites, so-called Jehovah's Witnesses, Oneness Pentecostals, these types of groups have various ways that they disagree with the Trinity, various ways that they will attack the Trinity. A Mormon will say that there is not just one God, there is three gods, and they're separate gods. The Father is one God, and a whole separate God is the Son, and a whole separate God is the Holy Spirit, as opposed to saying there is just one God. And then other groups will come along and say, well, there is only one God, but Jesus isn't him. Only the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is certainly not God, maybe an active force like electricity, not a person. Then the Son, a lesser created being, and then there's the Father. But there's one God, and we hold to that, but there's, he's not showing himself in three persons. And so there's various ways, and I think I'm going to try to give you a quick snapshot of this. Um, and I have some scriptures that are up on the screen, which I want to try to just explain quickly if I can, if you pray for me, because I'm going to hopefully get through this. But... On one hand, we have a whole group of people that will say, yes, there's one God. Of course, there's only one God, and there's one God only. And they'll cite all of these scriptures, almost to say that the rest of the scriptures don't matter. Any scripture that says Jesus is God or, the, or points to the Holy Spirit being God, we, we can't really listen to them because these scriptures over here say that there's one God, and it can't be that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. It just can't be because all of these scriptures dominate these ones over here, and they silence them. Other groups might come along and say all of these scriptures over here are actually the ones that predominate these passages over here. And I know it says that there's one God, but there's really three gods. And so they will silence the passages on my right, your left, for the sake of these passages here. But I think what we ought to do, and Mike Winger has said this, many people have said this, that the Trinity isn't a problem. It's just a solution to a problem. 
That when we look at scripture, we don't say, I'm just going to take this set of scriptures and ignore all of these ones and put these under the rug. And we also don't do that with these scriptures and put all these under the rug. But what we do is we are people who are forced to sit under the word and say, I'm going to receive whatever you say, God, and I'm going to put it together as best I can. And while it might be a problem in my limited, finite understanding, if you have revealed yourself in this way, I have to accept it because you're not dependent upon whether or not I can understand my understanding of the fact that you are eternal. I was talking to somebody the other day who says they rejected the Christian message because they can't comprehend that God is eternal. Who can? The question is, do you believe it? God revealed himself as eternal. Whether or not you can comprehend it with your small mind doesn't mean that God is not eternal because you can't comprehend it. Your comprehension level has no bearing on who God is. And so when it comes to the Trinity, if God has revealed himself in such a way, your comprehension level better catch up to what God has revealed. And if you can't comprehend it, believe it. Believe it. And so in all the ways that we acknowledge God, interact with the Holy Spirit, I just want us to quickly think about him as imagine him being God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, the eternal Spirit, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, a person who is intimately acquainted with us in our salvation, who sovereignly distributes the, whole, the, the spiritual gifts, doesn't have to ask permission, just does as he sees fit. Not an angel, not a lesser created being, but an eternal person that we have as Christians residing with us. Glory to God. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, um, and that's a wonderful thing. So with this, um, we're going to turn our attention back to our main text in John chapter 14. Um, And if, if anybody took pictures of that slide there, I hope that you did. I just want you to know I just did a quick kind of sampling. And so if you have more questions, I would be overjoyed to be able to discuss the Trinity with any people, because I'm, I'm not here saying it's, it's um, just something that everybody should immediately be able to comprehend and fully understand. So if anybody wants to talk through it, if you've interacted with various groups who are like, yeah, you Christians are just deceived, you're following something that's just not even in the Bible, I would love to interact with you on that. And I've spent a lot of time talking with Mormons, so-called Jehovah's Witnesses, black Hebrew Israelites, and this is a point of contention. And so if anybody's like there, I need to talk, I'm willing to do that. Um, But we're going to look at our main text here in John chapter 14, and I'm going to just begin working through it. Um, And we'll just kind of, yeah, see how it goes. But chapter 14 of John, starting in verse 16. Jesus says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. So something to take note of right off the bat here is that, first of all, we see all three in this very one verse. This is a glorious kind of just text, just because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all through this chapter. And these three chapters, really, chapter 14, 15, and 16, even into 17, you get Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just really just radiating off of the page. And so we have all three, just in these one, this one verse, I, Jesus, will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another helper. This is interacting between the Trinity. Jesus, 
interceding on our behalf, asking the Father, and the Father will say yes to Jesus when he prays, and he'll send the Holy Spirit another helper. And so the Greek word here for helper, so the King James has, I think, comforter. If you have the King James, um, I like both of them, helper, comforter, um, but the Greek word is paraclete, and it can also mean advocate. Somebody who's just got your back, somebody who's with you, who's going to comfort you when you stumble, pick you up, dust you off, and advocate for you. When you can't advocate on, for, on your own behalf, he advocates for you. God, I'm a sinner. And the Holy Spirit right next to you, yeah, he's a sinner, but he's mine. And I am interceding on his behalf. I'm with him. I'm his comforter. I'm her comforter. He's a comforter to us. Another thing I want you to see is right before the word comforter or helper, or maybe some of your translations even say advocate, is the word another. And this is a beautiful thing because Jesus doesn't just send us someone lesser. And you got to think, like, if you're the disciples, you're thinking, there's nobody that you can send that will even be remotely close to what you are to us, Jesus. But he says, I'm going to send you another helper like me. It'll be like I'm with you. But I am departing, but I'm sending you somebody who's going to be another helper to you, equivalent to what I was to you, the Holy Spirit, our comforter. Everything that Jesus was to his disciples, I am convinced the Holy Spirit is to be to us. And even so much more, Jesus says, it's better that I go away. It's better. It'd be, it'd be worse for you. If I were to not die and rise from the dead, it's better that the Holy Spirit comes to you. We have someone so rich. He nourishes us constantly. As Joel preached last week, I think he said, like, the disciples, we're just figuring things. They're flying by the seat of their pants. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us constantly. We have the word. He's nourishing us. He's ministering to us. It's better. And I, I don't know if any of us really want to say that because we're just like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, he's another helper unto us. Another just quick thing to take note of in this verse, it says, for how long? That he may be with you for how long? What do your Bible say? Six months? Forever. Just think about that. It's not just a throwaway term, like forever, like I'll love you forever and ever and ever, and I'm going to be with you forever. You're my girl forever and ever and ever. We throw around forever a lot. But this is forever. He says he's going to be with you forever. Jesus Christ telling us that the Holy Spirit is going to be with us forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. There is no time stamp. There is no expiration date. The Holy Spirit with us forever. Look at verse 17. It says, that is the spirit of truth. That's who he's going to send, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. To quickly note, and a lot we can say, the last going to hit the floor, but um, I want to bring up just that not everybody has this Holy Spirit. And then we want everybody to have the Holy Spirit, but not everybody does. Everybody is a creation of God, but not everybody is a child of God. And that's something that we have to acknowledge, the scripture teaches. But notice the contrast, though, because while they cannot receive him, we have him. The world cannot receive him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit who we have within us, Romans 8.15 8, says, is the one by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 
Have you ever had that moment where you're just like, you're, you're in prayer, I don't even really have words, but you're just like, Daddy, like Abba, Father. That's the Holy Spirit moving in us, just, God, I love you. I just, uh, you're my Father. I love you. We have him, and he dwells within us. Again, how wonderful. Look at verse 18. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, again, we mentioned this, but I can imagine, just to think about the disciples saying, you're leaving. Nothing else you can say after you f- to, to finish that sentence will bring me any comfort. All you said is, I'm leaving. Whatever else you have to say after that isn't going isn't gonna to make up for the fact that you said you're leaving. But it does. Immensely. Because he is sending us the Holy Spirit. He is sending us the Holy Spirit. How amazing is it that we have this Holy Spirit who is not somebody that's going to have us become orphans. We're not orphans. We have been fully encapsulated by somebody, a person, who is eternal, sovereign, and powerful. He loves us and he washes over us. We are not orphans. If Jesus were to have given us an angel and said, I'm going to send some angels, they got your back, I'm still an orphan. I'm an orphan. Nothing can replace Jesus except for God himself, the Holy Spirit, coming and saying, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan. Praise him for that. So I want you to look at the next several verses with me, and I'm just going to take the next several in a chunk. um, And... I want us to look at this because it has to do with obedience, um, and I hope that these words of Jesus really do hit us and convict us, and if there is conviction in this room or maybe lack of it, I want these words to convict us, and I want them to comfort us as well, but I don't want us to shy away from what this text is saying, which is something that I believe every single one of us constantly need to be, and I would say constantly, moment to moment, but regularly in a state of examination of how is my life before the word of God? How am I living? And so we're going to look at chapter 14, and I'm just going to look 18 to 24, and just hear these words and just let the conviction hit you as far as how is your life and your walk with Jesus Christ? He says, after a while, the world will not see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Jesus is saying, I'm I'm one with my people. I in them, them in me, I and my Father, my Father in them, the Holy Spirit in you, we're just, we're wrapped up and we're one. But I'm not going to reveal myself to everybody. And uh, Judas, not Iscariot, asked this question. How come you're going to reveal yourself to us and not them? And Jesus' answer is exactly what he had just said. He doesn't try to break it down any further for him. He just says, if you obey me, you love me. If you don't, 
then you don't love me. And that's a high calling. Jesus Christ saying, if you obey me, if you love me, you're going to obey me. But if you don't love me, then you're not going to hear my words and you're not going to obey them because you have somebody else who you love. And you may claim affection for Jesus Christ, but when you hear the words of Jesus, you're just like, eh, I don't feel like doing that. Jesus is saying, you don't love me. I don't care what your emotional state is like, how much you're raising your hands in the air. If you hear the words of Jesus and you're just like, eh, I don't want, Jesus says, "Don't, don't come at me with all that love stuff. You don't love me. You don't love me. But those who love me will keep my commandments. Those who love me will keep my commandments. Many people have rightly said that God's love language is obedience. My love language is, um, Danielle probably could tell me quicker than I could even tell myself, um, uh, words of affirmation. I'm like insecure, all the stuff, and I'm like, Dan, I just need you to like tell me some words of affirmation. God's is obedience. Nobody else could have a love language like that. If my love language towards anybody was obedience, that'd be kind of weird. But God Almighty from his throne is like, my love language, you want to say you love me? Obey me. The moment anybody else says that to you, my love language is if you obey me, that's weird, run. But when God does it, he's the only one that has the authority to actually say, my love language is obedience, and if you really love me, you're going to follow me, and you're going to do what I say. It's the love language of God, obedience. Now, for some of you, this passage might bring great comfort as you reflect on your life. You might just say, thank you, Holy Spirit. I know I'm not perfect. I know I fall short. I have my shortcomings and these types of things, but I have seen my life marked by obedience, and that is all glory to you. You have wrought obedience in me, and I thank you for that. I can't take any credit for it, but you have brought obedience in me, and I can honestly say in assessing my life that I love you because I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to follow you. I know I'm not perfect, but by your grace, my life has been marked by, by obedience. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, it says, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. We were talking about this in Bible study the other day where like, we might have moments of like backsliding, but the Holy Spirit is not going to let us continuing it so far that we're just going to disband from God. And the analogy we used is it'd be like me saying, I'm just going to hold my breath until I die. You know what? I'm just, I'm done breathing. I'm done living. I'm going to hold my breath till I die. At some point, the spirit, my physical spirit is going to kick me in the shins and say, you got to breathe. You're breathing. You might think you're going to hold your breath. You're not going to do it. Breathe. The same with the Holy Spirit. I might think, I'm, just, I'm done here. This is too. The Holy Spirit's like, nope. I'm not letting you go. I have made you new. You're going to breathe. You're going to follow. Get back over here, you little ragamuffin. The Holy Spirit is not going to let us die from a lack of oxygen. We are going to follow. And so some of you might be comforted, but some of you in this room maybe are going to be fearful. And I want to be careful of this because... I know that many Christians struggle with sin. People who I am confident and I am convinced are a true believer, but they have wrestlings. They have battles that they're facing and plagued by sin. So I want to be careful here because I want to make a distinction. But at the same time, I do want to acknowledge that if you are feeling convicted by sin and you're saying, look, I don't know if my life is really marked by obedience, your response is the same as anybody's, is repent. Turn from sin. 
and find grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of us, no matter where you are, what you've done, if you are feeling in a place, man, I'm convicted, there is abundant mercy for you if you just say, Father, I need your grace. I need your grace. Okay, all right. Um, and I just want to, just let me pray for a second. God, I pray for any hearts in this place, God, that are under conviction. Lord, if we look at your scriptures, Lord, I pray that you, by your spirit, would sort all of this out in each and every single person in this room. I'm not sitting down doing one-on-one counseling with all of these people, God. I'm just proclaiming your word, and I just ask that you would apply it accurately, rightly, and perfectly in a way that I can't. And I just pray that if there's any unrepentant hearts here today, God, that they would know that they can come to you and find grace and mercy completely. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray, amen. Um, um, so let's look at a couple more verses and then we're going to finish off with one other text just in the next chapter it says this these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful Once again, Jesus refers to the Spirit as our helper, and I want you to be comforted. And I want you to notice that Jesus departing does not mean that we are left without peace. This is kind of similar to what we were saying before, where just because Jesus departs doesn't mean we're orphans, and just because Jesus departs doesn't mean we're without peace. With the Holy Spirit, we have peace because of what he is accomplishing in our lives through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father, the Holy Spirit, with him we can still have peace and a peace that transcends all understanding. We can confidently go through any turmoil, any trials of this world and supernaturally the grace of God by the Holy Spirit can give you peace to endure. And I just pray that you all experience that in every single way that is possible. The Holy Spirit, glorious and splendor, fills us with comfort. And what he does is he obeys when he is sent. The father sends him. The son sends him. And he doesn't say, no, I don't want to go to them because look at, those, look at these people. He says, I'm willing to go. And I'm going to make them born again, brand new. Salvation has been accomplished for us through Jesus Christ and applied by the Holy Spirit. And he goes. He goes to us. How could we do anything else? But when we are sent, also go. And now because the Spirit is a missionary, he calls us to be missionaries as well. And this is where we're going to leave off today. I want to read just a couple verses from the next chapter. In chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, Jesus says this, when the, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. There you have it again. When the Holy Spirit is active in the ministry, the name of Jesus is going to be proclaimed. And if the name of Jesus is not proclaimed, then I am highly skeptical that it's even the Holy Spirit at all. The Holy Spirit bringing people to testify about him. And he says, and you will testify also. Catch that. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will testify about me and you will testify also because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. What else are we going to say? We're going to testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. And so we as a people, we're missionaries. And as part of our identity here at this church is we're missionaries. We're sent ones. 
And we go, and it's tough, and we face battles of various sorts, inside and outside, rejection, persecution, even though it's minimal, I would say we're still facing it here in this country. But as missionaries, we look to the Lord Jesus Christ and we look to the Holy Spirit and what he has done and who he has been unto us. And we go. And we go. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Um, and thank you for um, your Holy Spirit. And we are utterly reliant upon him um, to take everything from today, everything that we've ever learned, everything that we've ever um, sat under as far as teaching from your word, and we're relying upon your spirit to apply it to our lives. And I pray that you would just teach us, God, that you would teach us so graciously and kindly and have so much patience for us as we, as your people, just seek to serve you, seek to follow you. Oh, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you be with every single person in this room today that you would bring about salvation for those who right now currently are not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We pray for salvation for them. God, that hearts would cry out, Jesus is Lord and my life is not my own. But for any souls in this room maybe who are weary, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be the God of all comfort unto them and strengthen them, bring conviction, bring mercy. For any in this room who are battling with sin, I pray that your spirit would give victory over sin. And Father, for those who are rejoicing right now in your Holy Spirit and just sitting in awe and wonder of who your Spirit is, oh Lord, I pray that by your Spirit we would just be filled with worship, that our hearts would just be bubbling forth with joy and praise for your name. God, we love you so much and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've accomplished. Holy Spirit, thank you for applying all of this to our lives. God, we love you and praise you and we pray all this by your Holy Spirit and in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more messages from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next week.